Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. What's up, everybody? We're halfway through the hump day show, so we're halfway through the halfway part of the day and halfway through the show. You know what this is. It's the nexus of the sports talk universe. Uh, that sounds like that's the, the middle of some muck. No, <laughs> that's no, what, that's that what you drank like before that. the show. By the way, we started <laughs> the show with back. <laughs> Hitman came in here with a clear plastic cup full of the brownest lumpiest drink i've ever seen in my life and he's over there slurping away on it like yeah, it's good it's called healthy blast <laughs> oh it's going to healthy blast its way out soon that's what that's going to that's what i wanted to that's do. what it alludes it to is out. not blasting in it's yeah. blasting out <laughs> yeah we started the show talking yeah. about i still i said what's yeah. that taste like it's brown you said kind of like orange, orange? <laughs> no way <laughs> And people drink green stuff. It looks like it's off the top it's, of an old, you know, to be a little cattle greenish. pond in the country. <laughs> well, did it taste good, or are you just choking it down? Did oh, it t- no, did it, was, it was actually really good, yeah. No, it wasn't. Oh, it There's was. no way that tasted it. I would have slept it all the way down. Hey, so, sometimes the most disgusting-looking things <laughs> taste the best. great. I mean, it Like was escargot. Yeah. Escargot. Mm-hmm. Listen to Mr. World Traveler in there yeah. on a sports talk show talking about eating escargot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows 50 billion languages. And in all of he, he's, the, he's our international flavor to the show, Lucas Panzeca. And I tradition. still have not found my Italian cake, man. I've been in three different stores looking for it. Okay, somebody call in or text or and tweet. And they all look at me crazy, too. Tell Blaine where he can get an Italian cream cake. <laughs> now, I know you can get one at Litton's outside of Knoxville because I saw it with my right, own eyes. That's a little too far for just I a know. cake. Maybe you're saying it wrong. What are you saying? Uh, Italian cream cake. Right, but maybe they don't understand that. And then when you say Italian, they say, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Like my grandma right here. Italian. And, and, and well, jokingly, I did say that when they were looking crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I said, we were joking, but Italian cream cake? And I turned my head down like, you know, like kind of how your dog will you and say something to him. And they go, huh? And I said, huh? <laughs> no, no. Let me go check in the back and see what. Uh, it's a real thing. I've eaten it. Cream cake I didn't like it as make. a kid, but I know I so would like it anybody, please, you know, tell us, call in or tell us where to go get one. Italian cream cake. This goes yeah. back to a conversation from last yeah, week. That's I really wanted my... to bring in one for the show so we could all devour and talk about it. I'm going to find one. I really wanted. A... Oh, Lucas is all in. Yeah, he's, he's half he's Italian. Done. Oh yeah, I'm the sure Italian it's somewhere Italian. around here downtown that we can get one. I can't I'm make sure. one, but I'll eat it. No. Uh, practice report from the Titans. Uh, it, there's video. They're not even wearing helmets today. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Like not even a helmet. They're not. They're it, not wearing helmets. It's just like dudes in shorts and oh. a sweatshirt. Running through drills. Oh, 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 oh! I see Derrick Henry, boy. He looked good, even without a helmet. Probably yeah. looks mm-hmm. like he's wearing pads. He looked like man, like like he been playing all year. <laughs> uh, this is uh, from Ben Arthur of the Tennessee, and who was there? No sign of Julio Jones, Elijah Molden, Buster Screen, Ben Jones, Chester Rogers, and Tier Tart in the open portion of practice. Yeah. He said one player had his helmet on. David Long. <laughs> Why did he have it? Maybe he was. Oh, that's he, from Teron Davenport. Yeah, did he have the, did he have the dot in his head, or hey, was man. he mess, or was he joking? I don't know because he does have the laughy laughy person after that. So I don't know. I mean, maybe because he has the dot in his. I don't know, but hey, if they're running plays out there, we got to have it on, man. <laughs> maybe so. Like, so I, I don't know. But David Long apparently one guy with the helmet. He said Christian oh. Fulton practiced. Um, this, that's from Teron Davenport. Yeah, maybe having helmet on is, is a distraction. Maybe so. Yeah, yeah, it could be. We're focusing uh, on getting better today. Well, individually, we're not, we're not asking for biggest cause of distraction, but we did ask this for the show today. What's your biggest cause for concern? Your biggest cause for optimism with the Titans headed into the postseason? Uh, Jeff, 
uh, who's our TV buddy from up in Rhode Island. He interacts oh. with the show all the time. He right. said, I'm 100% confident. I'm so confident I asked for Valentine's Day off to sleep off the hangover after winning the Super Bowl on the 13th. Hashtag Titans. At Titans. Oh. Allen says, uh, he said, OL. And, and I responded via Blaine and Mickey. He said, OL for both. He said, sorry, I'm drinking. OL is a concern. DL is a cause for optimism. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about office of linemen. Well, <laughs> he is for, for one and not for the other. It's five o'clock uh, somewhere. It is. <laughs> Anthony says the offense needs to get back to what it was no when Henry gets back. Get the passing game going like the 49ers game. We will be fine. Uh, Brian the Titan says he's worried about consistency on the offensive side of the ball. And then we did get a pretty lengthy answer from Titans Talk who said, My concern, lack of consistent explosiveness on offense, too many lulls and stalled drives. They certainly have a lot of those early in games. Uh, <clears throat> Titans Talk, I don't know if it's a he, a she, or a they, uh, says optimism, the return of Henry, and the ability of our defense to keep up, keep us in games. Yeah, I get it, I, you know, up and down. But ultimately, it just comes down. I don't care how it looks, as long as it, it looks like a W. <laughs> that means a win. And so uh, you can win in all kind of forms and fashion. Uh, that's what they've done. So just keep winning, baby, and we keep advancing. That's all you want. Uh, multiple people are telling you to go to Coco's Italian Market. Yes. For Italian cream cake. The, where, the, where it's on TV at? chat. It's off of uh, Charlotte, right, Lucas? Yeah, West Nashville. West Nashville. Oh, Coco. Coco's. I've been there before. It's just oh, been a minute. Oh, I was just over there. Coco's uh, for Italian cream cake. Okay, well, we've got that settled Coco. then. We've marked that off the list. We'll get that right now. Uh, Eric says in his own TV chat, turnovers. Oh, that's it. It's his biggest concern. It could Ooh. be both ways. Making too many, not getting enough back. Because mm. the games that they've lost in that stretch, they turned it over four, turned it over four, turned it over five. And the losses to um, uh, Texans, the Texans, the Patriots, and Jets. Or was it the? Oh my goodness! That's the other team they lost to. Uh, so, yeah. But they didn't get any turnovers back in those games. There was a stretch where they had even uh, four. They had what eleven, uh, thirteen turnovers. Steelers, Steelers, thirteen turnovers uh, in those games, and didn't get any back in those games. See, I already had thrown that Steeler team out the way because we should have won that on a botch snap. See, if I was coach, every day I'd be like, "Hey, make make sure you get the snap there, Tanny. Make sure you get the snap and never leave him. I let him never forget it. Make sure you get that snap." Drop that snap versus them Steelers. Get that snap up there, Ben. Yep, four ver- <laughs> four versus the Steelers. Um, they had four versus. Oh no, yeah, four versus. Um, Definitely had five versus the Texans, didn't they? Yeah, four it was five. it was five versus the Texans because Tannehill had four mm-hmm. uh, four versus the Patriots. The other one I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. All right, as I explain this to myself on live radio. Let's take a couple of these phone calls. Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. Uh, is this Habo in Nashville? Ooh, Habo. Yeah, it's Habo, man. What's up, Blaine and Mickey? How you guys doing? Man, you tell us. Man. Can't complain. Can't complain, brothers. Uh, so I was calling. I'm just a little concerned that Derrick Henry's been out for 10 and 11 weeks, and he just didn't get any rust off against Houston. And I was just uh, going to ask you guys, what is your guys' expectations on Derrick Henry returning to the divisional round? Is he going to be the same old Derrick Henry we've seen 
the past couple of years, or is it going to take a couple of carries for him to get back into, you know, NFL game, football speed? And, uh, yeah, that's that's my question to you guys, and I'll hang up and uh, listen to you guys. Thank you for listening to us guys, mm. calling us guys. <laughs> well, you know, this is a tough one because you know, he's a running back, and a lot of people say, oh, well, you don't play in the preseason uh, you know, but you're you're coming back to the regular season. Mm-hmm. This is an injury, and you're coming back to the playoffs. A little different story for me personally, just watching that. But I still don't think it'll take very long. I mean, once he gets two or three carries, I think he'll be off to the races. I mean, once you're a running back, you're always a running back. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know how to read holes. You make your decision. You put your foot in the ground and get vertical. So I, I don't think it's as big a deal. I wish I could have seen it, but now we've gotten to the point where we – can't and now we won't until he plays in a game uh i probably think the only concern is in-game conditioning mm. you got to be prepared for that that he may have to tap out at times football shape football shape yeah in-game football shape yeah it's tough it can't duplicate it anywhere so that's really probably the only concern so everybody's gonna be oh why wasn't he in the game well he might have been rested because he's he hadn't he hadn't played in 10 weeks he could be sharp mm-hmm. but he could just be like hey man I think Foreman can I've been watching him he can he, he can get this play matter of fact we're not even running on this play he just play actually pass guy right <laughs> so I, I'll rest this play and I come back next play so yeah uh, so that's about it I, I'm not really concerned but you always want to make sure that they're super sharp so can't get it until you in an actual game yeah it's going to be fascinating to watch it that is. for sure. But he he's on that level, you know, an elite level player where, you know, he's a freak of nature. So I wouldn't be shocked if he was super sharp or just a little rusty, just like any other really good player. Let's get Ryan in Lebanon right quick who wants to talk about these Tennessee Titans. Hey, Ryan, thank you for calling uh, the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. Hey, guys, love the show. How are y'all today? Thank you, man. Hey, We're man. doing great. We're breathing, man. Good. Good, good deal. Well, hey, here's, here's what I want to talk about. Um, these Titans are 100% dialed in. Um, I think Mike Brabel has a big role in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not Absolutely. concerned whatsoever. You don't have your coordinators uh, going to interview the jobs halfway across the country and going to Atlanta and, you know, and all that stuff. There is none of that stuff this year. This team is 100% dialed in, and I'm telling you, boys, we're going to take it all the way. Tighten up, y'all. Let's go. Confident fan right there. I like that kind of confidence. Let's ask. Uh, let's do this. We'll ask Jordan DeJani these questions. CBS NFL reporter. We'll have open phones for the last segment of the show as well. We've been getting a bunch of great phone calls this week. We love it. You can call us anytime. We love talking to you. 615-737-1045. But we will talk NFL with the man from CBS next. Jordan DeJani joins us on Blaine and Mickey 1045 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Da, 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 da. Hanging out on a Wednesday, beautiful day. Titans practicing uh, today, but then they will get uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday yep. off, I believe is what Mike Vrabel said earlier today. Uh, yes, and they'll come back Sunday. Yep, and start their regular. Because he, they all know their regular week. by then, I think. Yes, uh, yes by Sunday night, because the last game, the Monday mm-hmm. night, is an NFC game. So uh, NFC gets screwed with the Monday night what's, playoff. Game. Yeah, what's up with the the Monday night? Did you did you remember that they were doing that this year? I did. Super wild card weekend. I did. Jordan Dejani joins us now. Yeah, I, I gotta ask him about that. I know. We'll ask Jordan. him about all this stuff. Jordan, 
First of all, A, how you doing? And Happy B, I think Lucas Panzica has something that he wants to say uh, to you over the air. Oh, I already said it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, you've already blasted him. Yeah. He already blasted me, guys. He, he, he told me. He told me on the phone that before we got on air, he's been texting me in. He's been letting all his buddies know. Wow. So, oh, and he man. beat so you in fantasy so he's football. really competitive. Oh. <laughs> oh, my. So all that crap you've been talking about when we make our predictions, I say we're just having fun. You're really trying to win. Yeah, I knew it. Look at that smile. <laughs> Look at that smile. Oh, man, I'm a, I feel like I should uh, smash an Italian uh, cream cake. <laughs> Jordan, have you ever had Italian cream cake? Because Blaine thinks we're no. crazy. No, guys. No, 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 no. Italian Italian. That's what my grandmother said it in Harrisburg, Arkansas. Italian cream cake. She also made Italian spaghetti from time to time. No, I cannot say I've had Italian cream cake, but I guess that's something I got to put on my list to try. Yeah, all right, I'm, I'm going to go to Coco's man. Market and get some of that stuff for all of us, and we'll have you yeah. in the studio that day. You can eat it with us. We we have to remedy yeah. this for all you guys. Um, what a wild ending to the season, all the way down to literally the last plays of the last game of the season. I know that's been a couple of days now, but this is the first time we've had a, a chance to get to talk to you and, 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 and cap that off with maybe – the dumbest thing Brandon Staley had done all season, which is really saying something after watching his bad judgment all season, it got him again to end uh. the to end everything. Yeah, guys, I don't even I don't even know where to start with this because Brandon Staley has been like this polarizing figure in the NFL all season long. Some people think that he's ahead of his time and his aggressiveness is good. It's not, it's not dumb or anything. And there's other people, such as myself, who thinks he's too aggressive and he's out-aggressiving himself and he's putting his team in bad situations. And I think that's what we saw against uh, the Raiders on Sunday night, that incredible regular season finale. I mean, credit to that Chargers team for converting all those fourth downs when they had to at the end of the game and mounting that impressive comeback. But calling that timeout with, what was it, 38 seconds left when the Raiders were facing a third and four, that gave your enemy a, a moment to think about their play call. When, they, when, when the play clock on that specific play was dripping down to four, three, two, one, all you had to do was stop them on that one play, and it was very likely both teams were headed to the playoffs in my mind. That was a that was a call that puzzled fans, journalists, commentators, Al Michaels, everyone alike. I haven't seen anything like that. Twitter was so divisive after the game for hours. It was fascinating, man. What an ending to the first seventeen game NFL regular season. All I could think of was DJ Khaled. Congratulations. You played yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I did not think that. <laughs> That's good. That is all I could think of. Um, oh, so I, I know you have done this because I saw the article. I, I read a little bit of it, and then I had to shut down my iPad and get in the car and drive here to work. I'm going to finish it. But you ranked. We got, what, seven openings uh, by now. You ranked these right, and you're, you're, you're angering people. Is that what? Is that true? Yes, this is one of the most, for some reason, controversial articles I've ever put out on CBS Sports. I woke up to very nice things in my DMs and in my email this morning. Uh, It's very controversial, apparently, but I had a lot of fun doing it because, you know, it's always fun to see, to put yourself into the shoes. If you were the hottest commodity on the head coaching market, you know, where would you power rank these jobs? And I I won't run down the entire list, but I thought it was kind of interesting at number one, I ended up putting the Las Vegas Raiders, and it may not even be fair to call that a head coach opening because Rich Bisacci is doing such a good job as the interim head coach, and if he upsets the Cincinnati Bengals, he may lock down that job. 
But I think the reason the Raiders were number one is because we, we saw that this team has talent on both sides of the ball. Yes, there's work to be done on the roster, but the reason they're number one is because the NFL in Las Vegas is very young. You have a chance to be a head coach that steps on that platform, be that leader, be that influence, start building up that fan base in one of one of America's most entertaining cities. You know, you have a you have an opportunity to be a figurehead in the NFL if you're the head coach of the Vegas Raiders and bring them to glory. Um, that's why I think it's an incredible opportunity. We, they just wrapped up their first season, first full season, having fans in the stands, and Allegiant Stadium looks awesome. That seems like a fan base really champing at the bit. So. I thought the Raiders, out of all of them, are probably the most intriguing job if I was a head coaching commodity. What's the worst? The worst? That's a great question. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of different outlets have been doing lists like these, and I went against the grain on all of them because in the top three, top four, everybody had the Jacksonville Jaguars. To me, that's the worst job on the market. If I was the hottest commodity in the world, that's the one I'm kind of raising my eyebrows a bit. I mean, just this past Sunday, they had a clown show. They literally brought the circus to town. And it wasn't to make fun of Urban Meyer. He's long gone. It was to make fun of the organization for all the bad decisions they've made. It was to make fun of GM Trent Baalke, who is reportedly being retained. It, it was a clown show. And I don't, want, I don't know am I, how am I supposed to walk up into that job interview and just feel like I'm the next guy that's going to be fired. You know, CBS Sports, one of my uh, colleagues, Pete Prisco, said something great. He thinks the entire organization needs to be structured differently. The whole culture needs to change. And in my mind, the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars not only will have to rebuild the franchise on the field, he's going to have to do it off the field as well. Jordan Dejani, our guest, Ooh. making people mad. CBSSports.com, making I, them mad. Oh, man, I should be the agent for it. Yeah, that sounds like a job for Nick Saban. I'm going to put him in the Giants job and the Jaguars oh, job. Man. Maybe I don't want that to happen there for the Titans, man. Eventually he's going to get it right, right? Man, speaking of uh, bad things, Carson Wentz and the Colts. I'm going to just say that, and then you just give me what you think when you hear that. Oh, I, I, if I had to pick one word, I don't. A choke job, I guess? I don't know, man. I can't imagine being a Colts fan. How depressed, how angry I would be. The fact that it took place in Jacksonville, too. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just justice against the Jaguars, one of the worst teams in the NFL, on the road, literally surrounded by a thousand clowns who are booing their own team <laughs> as they defeat you by double digits. You traded for this quarterback you hoped would bring you back to the postseason, mm-hmm. but instead you miss the postseason and have to give up a first-round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. That is really, really tough for Indianapolis Colts fans, to the point of I really do feel bad for them. I, I, I don't know why Carson Wentz couldn't step up in the moment. That seems like an easy point in the season where we can identify Carson Wentz is going to be the future of the Colts. He stepped up in a win-and-urine situation, and he threw four touchdowns, and he dismantled the Jaguars as clowns cry. That didn't happen on Sunday. He got beat 26-11. to That raises a lot of questions with this organization, and it was tough to watch, and I think everyone was shocked to see the result of that game. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just stick with the quarterbacks, and that is, I may miss somebody here, which playoff debut quarterback doesn't get it done, and which one does really well? We got Carr, Murray, Hertz, uh, Mac Jones, Burrow. Who am I missing here? Who else is debuting? Yeah, that's a good That's a good question. I haven't really thought about the first time these quarterbacks have been in there. Uh, I mean, you look at some of the quarterbacks that are coming in with the lower-seeded teams. You brought up Jalen Hurts. He has to take on the reigning Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Now, I don't think the Buccaneers have the wherewithal anymore to go all the way. I know that sounds dumb to bet against Tom Brady, but that's just how I'm feeling at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Still, I think the Buccaneers can defeat the Eagles. So he's one of the quarterbacks that won't be able to get it done. Uh, the Buffalo Bills doing a Patriots matchup. That'll be a fun one. Of course, oh, right. Mac Jones uh, is going to be making his first playoff start. Um, I really do think the Bills are going to get some kind of revenge on their home field by defeating the Patriots. They're the three seed. They know exactly what kind of game plan Bill Belichick's drawn up. Uh, I think the Bills win a close one there. Um, Who's the other? Matthew Stafford's been in the playoffs before. Kyler Murray hasn't been in the playoffs before. That'll be a car in the the NFC West. Um, I'm, I'm excited for that game. I know it's the third time we're watching these teams, but the first three, the first two times have been pretty unpredictable in terms of what happened. So, you know, even though the Rams lost that bad overtime game against the 49ers, I still feel like they have a bit more momentum riding into the postseason, more so than the Arizona Cardinals did. Mm. They had a couple of wins, but they lost to the Seahawks. They're kind of limping into the playoffs. No one sees them as the legitimate Lombardi hoisting club we all identified them to be earlier in the year. So I think Kyler Murray loses his playoff debut as well. Mm. Well, that leads me to, you know, all the teams that are favorite hardly ever win. So where's your upset alert at? Who you got? Yeah, that's a good question. So for some reason, I don't know if it's smart, but I'm waiting as long as I possibly can before I put up my official picks over at CBSSports.com. I'll do that tomorrow morning at some point Mm. in terms of my against-the-spread picks. Now, in in terms of a big money line upset that you're eyeing, um, you know, look at the AFC. I'm picking the Chiefs over the Steelers. As I already mentioned, I'm taking the Bills over the Patriots. The Raiders-Bengals matchup. I'm actually weirdly excited for this game. You know, we're not going to have good weather. That could be something that hinders the uh, impact pass catchers, such as Jamar Chase and T. Higgins could have on the game. But at the same time, Derek Carr is not exactly known for lighting up the scoreboard in the snow. So that'll be an interesting matchup to watch. Maybe the Raiders have some value as a money line underdog. Now in the NFC, I like the Buccaneers over the Eagles, of course. I, I already mentioned the Rams over the Cardinals. How about this 49ers-Cowboys matchup? You know, that's kind of intriguing. I already know a couple of people who are putting the Cowboys on upset alert. Um, You know, the 49ers win over the Rams this past week was notable. And it wasn't because they ran the ball um, effectively. They do that almost every week. But it 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 was noticeable. It was notable that they had their playmakers ball out. Look at former Vol Jawan Jennings, the impact he had. Mm, yeah. Brandon Ayuk had over 100 <laughs> yards. And, of course, Devo Samuels, one of the most effective weapons in the NFL, whether he's catching the ball or running it through the A-gap. This 49ers team could defeat the Cowboys. I don't know if I'm ready to put that out on air just yet, but, they, but the Cowboys could definitely be on upset alert in the NFC. Mm. Well, one more for me, and that is, does someone have advantage or disadvantage, or can they just move games around by playing on Monday night in a playoff game? Me and Mickey were kind of discussing that off air. So what are your thoughts about that? I love, as a fan, watching Monday night football in a playoff game, but, man, they may have a short week, right? Yep. Yeah, that, that's interesting. You, it could be a short week, long week situation, uh-huh. right? You have a longer week to prepare for that first matchup, but you have a shorter week going into the next week potentially. Um, I, you know, that's a good question. I, 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 would, I, I would like to ask players, you know, are you more effective going off of a long week of preparation or, or preparing for a short week back-to-back kind of thing? So that'll be an interesting thing to maybe keep on track. Like, I wonder if players will kind of mention that in post-game press conferences. The new format is always really exciting. But I do find it noticeable as well that uh, they, they put the Cardinals and Rams 
on Monday night. That's the 4-5 seed. Because of that, we should be able to know what the divisional round is going to look like because they put a 4-5 game on Monday night. And I wonder if the NFL did that on purpose. Mm, well, I'm sure they did. Jordan Dejani, NFL writer for CBS Sports. So, Jordan, we were having this discussion earlier on the show. When it comes to the Titans going into the playoffs, obviously they've got the bye week. Let's ask you this. Your biggest cause of optimism for this team and your biggest cause of concern for this Titans team as they start the playoffs? As for optimism, I do feel like this team is is getting a lot more healthy. Or is getting healthier, I should say, on both sides of the ball. I mean, we, of course, can just stop at Derrick Henry and the kind of impact he's going to have on this team. Now, of course, it's debatable to – in terms of what kind of impact he's going to have immediately, is he someone who doesn't look like the same old playmaker he was before the injury, or does he hit the ground running? That's up for debate, but he's built different. We have different standards for Derrick Henry when it comes to other NFL running backs we talk about. So that's the reason for everyone to be optimistic. The Titans are set up truly to potentially play some of their best football of the entire season, and you want to be saying that about your team as we enter the playoffs. Now, in terms of the biggest weakness or whatever you want to call it, me being pessimistic, the reason for worry, cause for concern, you know, I'm looking at the secondary a little bit. I like the Titans' defensive line. I like the defensive front in general. Um, we saw what happened against the Texans. I didn't look. I didn't like seeing Danny Amendola look like Cooper Cup out in Houston going for 113 yards and two touchdowns. You know, the, the, the secondary has always been somewhat of a cause for concern. They haven't been absolutely terrible by any means necessary. We, we saw what this backup group did against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs um, uh, on a short week at home earlier in the regular season. But, you know, that's something that I have cause for concern. If the Titans go down, if the Titans go down early and teams want to pass the ball, um, are the cornerbacks going to be able to hold up? Is Kevin Byard really going to be able to gather up this resilient group and get them to play their best football when it means the most? So I have an eye in the passing game or just defending the pass for the Tennessee Titans. What's the best possible matchup for the Titans, do you think, out of all the possible outcomes, you say it would be you know seed four, five, six, or seven, that's the team you think, where they'd have the easiest time with those guys? Yeah, I mean, I would love to see a rematch against Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I don't. I think the Chiefs will probably defeat. <laughs> Maybe the that. question is more realistic opportunity here. Yeah. Right, right, right. You know, uh, I brought up the Raiders. I think the Raiders could have a chance against the Bengals. I'd rather play the Raiders than I would the Cincinnati Bengals. Like I mentioned, we're probably going to see a wintry mix in uh, in Cincinnati this weekend that might give the Raiders an up and some kind of upside. I don't know. But in terms of the game in Nashville for the divisional round, you know, the Raiders might be a more fun team to play instead of the Cincinnati Bengals. I brought up my biggest concern was the secondary for the Titans. And I feel like having guys like Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon and all those guys, those effective pass catchers, really what's a three-headed passing attack with Boyd as well, you know, that's that spells danger. If that team's playing some of their best ball, they can defeat anybody in the NFL. So, I can't say that about the Las Vegas Raiders. I'd rather take on a team like that instead of Simpson. Jordan DeJani, CBS Sports, our guest here on Blaine and Mickey. I guess to finish out, are you surprised or not, I, I guess, with the, with Cully still surviving Black Monday? They did play hard, though. Yeah, that's a good they question. Probably. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think the, the better question is almost just like, what is what is what is the organization playing with David Coley? Mm -hmm. Because I do feel like he's a bridge coach, right? I, I feel mm -hmm. like he's not a guy who's going to escort this franchise into a new era where the Texans have another chance to hoist the Lombardi Trophy. 
I feel like he's kind of a bridge guy in terms of setting up the staff and the players and just the base of the franchise that you want. So, you know, if you're looking at, at like that from that perspective, uh, I'm not surprised that Coley was not a one and done. Uh, I think he was a guy that was in some ways handpicked by the front office. Um, and, you know, maybe he'll get fired next year if the Texans don't meet expectations, if Davis Mills doesn't show he's a true franchise quarterback. But, no, I can't say I, I'm too flabbergasted that he's still retaining his position in Houston. All right, and lastly, you got to say it here on the Blaine and Mickey show. It's all bets off. Playoffs are here. Who's in the Super Bowl and who wins? <laughs> yes. All right, so, all right, so, all right, for the AFC, I'm still picking between two teams. I got to come to a conclusion by tomorrow morning. It's between the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. In the NFC, I'm going to pick the number one seed Packers to finally get over the hump of that NFC championship now. They just can't get over for whatever reason. Aaron Rodgers is going to lead them to the Super Bowl. And, in fact, I think Aaron Rodgers wins the Super Bowl for the Green Bay Packers, which sets up for a very interesting offseason if you're a Green Bay fan. See if Aaron Rodgers is going to stay or leave after once again winning the Lombardi Trophy. Mm, Man, and I think he's going to win the MVP. 4,000-something yards, 37 TDs, only four interceptions. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) He's a monster. Hey, Jordan, great stuff, man. Go jam to some uh, Jim Croce tunes, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Let's go. I appreciate that. Thank you guys so much. Yes, sir. Jordan Zanny, CBS Sports. When we come back, we'll go back to the phones. Bam is here. And I'll tell you this. Bang, bang. One CBS sports reporter indirectly picked the Titans in the Super Bowl while doing something else on CBSSports.com. I will explain that next. That's what Jordan just did, too. I'm doing it again. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. So I started reading all these CBS mock drafts, and I'm thinking, gosh, are they just projecting? I may have found an error in my judgment here. <laughs> I'm thinking, they're just projecting because they know like who didn't make the playoffs, so they'll they'll seed them. But they got the Titans drafting 31st, which means the Titans are in the Super Bowl. Then oh, I realized, in the Super Bowl, that's not, that's not winning. It's, it's not winning. They would have the Packers winning. But uh, then I realized they just did it by overall seeds. Oh, I was so okay. excited. <laughs> Brett Doherty texted me. He's like, that's a great tease, bro. And as he said that, I realized like I completely screwed this up because the Bucs oh, are 30. me. The Chiefs are 29. But everybody came back. That was the main thing. Ha ha. Fooled all of you, all eight of you who are listening. Uh, you bamboozled me. I did bamboozle. It's, it's listed by seeds. But I was, because I looked, I thought, did this guy really just pick the Titans to go to the Super Bowl? But I looked at all of the other CBS mock drafts, and they all have the Titans picking 31st. By the way, uh, they have the Titans. This one particular one has the Titans picking an offensive lineman from a one <laughs> from a one double A school. No, Northern Iowa. Who I, I have no idea who they got. Trevor Penning, six seven three twenty one. He went there as a tight end and gained a hundred pounds. Oh well, that means he's a pretty good athlete then. Yep, he's playing Typical. guard and tackle. Guard and tackle. Yep. Oh, 33 starts at guard and tackle, went there as a tight end. I don't like the guard and tackle. I no. think I watched him in the FC. Was he in the FCS uh, championship game? I can't remember who the teams were. I want to say it was Montana State versus North Dakota State. It I was, could be wrong. It was them. That's who played. He, they were talking about some 6'7 guard tackle. 
Montana. Uh, I'm sorry, it was a different guy because that's not North Dakota State also has another O lineman. Oh, it's six, they have seven. like one NFL guy every year, whether it's the yeah. quarterback, like it was, oh, or whether it's Dylan Radens, or they have a guy too. The Titans have been have been uh, projected to take that guy too. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind, I haven't seen him at all, and I hear Played converted himself. tight end. I'm, I'm gonna break it down to you how I would view it if I was in a you know GM position and trying to grade this guy out. He was converted. Tight end to tackle. I'm like, oh, athlete. Brad Hopkins, that's what he was. Oh. Uh-huh. I'm thinking athlete. But then he's in the FCS, and I go, but he's playing guard too? I, he should be dominating at tackle at that level. If he's not, then I have to project him in the pros as a guard, regardless of his six seven height. Because six seven tells you he has length and everything else and to play tackle, but where is his athleticism if even in the FCS, or what's, what's Northern Iowa? I don't know what conference they're in. One, one double. One double. Yeah. Then why is he at guard? Is it because the other guy is better than him? Or you want to put your best five out there? These are the questions I would be asking their coaching staff because he should, he should be a tackle. So then I would be concerned that he couldn't athletically hold up in the NFL one-on-one, but you never know. I got to see tape. Yeah, I did. So I, I read his profile. It said he started 33 games in three years there um, at guard and tackle, and he went there as a tight end. And he gained almost 100 pounds. So is it more because he gained weight? Is why he's, you know he's a six seven frame. That's a huge frame, you know, that you can put weight on pretty easily. Three twenty one yeah. already. So that's about boy. That's a ooh, that's a heck of a guard. I love to see his footwork. All I need to do is see him roll out a basketball and see what he does on the basketball court. If he acts like he has two left feet, no way, no how tackle. Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I, I used to get mad. We played playing basketball all the time. Brad Hopkins always wanted to be the point guard. What? Man, get your big badunka down low. Come on, man. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm the shortest guy here. I got to be. What I'm supposed to do if you out here dribbling the ball up, dribbling through your legs, and shoot jump shots. I'm like, wow. But that's, but that's an NFL lineman. Ooh, that's what I'm getting at. Like, that's what These they, dudes, that's they what have. They, like, people Taylor, have no idea. Taylor LeJuan could probably. With all that gut yeah. and everything. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, no. Uh, no, no. Going right through his legs and boom, banging on people. And when I say banging, I'm talking about jumping and dunking on people off the dribble. You're like, whoa. Hey. <laughs> and this dude's 6'5", 300 pounds. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, about 6'3". Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was pretty impressive. Bruce Matthews topped the cake, though. He oh, was, my gosh. Uh, he topped the Italian cream cake. Uh, we got time to take one more he phone call. Phenomenal. Bam, our drummer friend, Bam, Bam. Bam. What's up, Bam? Yo, what up, homies? What's going on, man? Tell us. First, first off, Mickey, it's time for us to jam again, bro. I ain't, I ain't played with you in a while. You tripping, man. Right, I know. That's all come on check me, ma'am. I have been a terrible Hey, man, look, I'm calling you out Friday night at Bourbon Street. Come on down, man. Bring your bass, man. There you go. Okay, I will. Friday I, night. I will be in Arkansas this Friday. So let's, oh, but okay. you give me okay. another time after that, and I'll do it. Because my bass looked right, at me the cool. other day. He like, had to take advantage of the tights having that bye week. Yeah, I got to go see my mom. Absolutely. Yeah, mama and right, But look, what I really want to talk about was, man, I think um, we're not necessarily giving Ryan Tannehill enough credit mm-hmm. for, I'm going to say, the season. And what I mean by that is I know he's he's had his share of problems, but uh, he's also remained durable, and he's played every game. You know, knock on wood, he's been healthy. You know, he's went through a slew of changes, a new offensive coordinator, um, countless receivers, countless, you know. He's just been through changes all season, and he's found a way to maintain, keep us here, you know, along with uh, him and A.J. And I know 
this isn't the stellar year we thought he probably have had, you know, with what what we would want him to have with everybody, you know, being injured and stuff like that. But he's remained there. You know, he Tannehill's a cool guy, man. He keeps his composure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he never gets too high. He never gets too low. But, you know, to see him come out of that play, that Houdini play, I promise, and Blaine, you could be a witness. You remember that play when McNair got out of that that sack, man? It was almost like mirroring which, the same which time? thing, man. <laughs> which time? Are you talking about the Super Bowl? Or? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, which man. time, man? You really? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I guess yeah, the Super Bowl, yeah, where he just got out of that tackle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And got, it just looks like he's, you know, like becoming his own and getting his confidence back. You could tell now, like, okay, Julio's starting to catch, AJ's catching. I got Derek coming back. He's he's building his momentum and his confidence back to take these guys where they need to go. Sure, yes. no doubt. Hey, hey, Berkshire too. Hey, NWI. Thank you, Bam. Yeah, for the better phone recognize call. NWI, man. He's been getting it done. And he's Tannehill got his offensive line and he's got all of his weapons headed into the playoffs. That's when he plays his best. He threw four touchdowns last week with his two best receivers. Mm. We got to throw this pass to three HL though, because we got to clear out and put them on the air. No doubt. Time to get out of here. And in between time. In the meantime. Ooh, oh, I like it. You know, peace. peace.